This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their You got drama yet? Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. You know, one and zero time. Better than being zero and one time. If you weren't one and zero after playing Bowling Green time, that would have been really bad time. Actual test this weekend time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols twenty four seven podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a, a very pleasant Thursday evening, I would say, here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Got a lot going on today. We're now speaking with Josh Heupel, Tennessee football coach Josh Heupel, on Thursdays, which may not mean anything for y'all out there listening, but but I got to tell you, as someone who's been doing this for a while, uh, the past few years, certainly, it seems like college football coaches across the country usually just sort of shut the thing down like on Wednesday. You know, they, they get a couple of interviews done. Uh, they, they, they let you talk to maybe the coach on Monday and Wednesday, some players on Tuesday, Wednesday, things like that. But then they just, uh, they, they just say, that's it, that's it, nothing else the rest of the week. Because nothing, there can be no discussion, unless it's like with SportsCenter or something, no discussion for like 72 hours before the game because there are important things to do. Uh, Josh Heupel is allowing us to speak with him on Thursdays, which uh, is interesting because I don't know that that he's ever going to say a lot with personnel stuff. I think we're learning pretty quickly that he doesn't do that. Uh, he really, uh, for a guy who's in his first season as the head coach at a Power Five program, man, that guy can dance around talking about personnel issues. He, he's he's already got that down to an art form. Uh, so we got plenty to discuss anyway because we did speak with Heupel today as we're recording this on Thursday. We're talking about Tennessee's game against Pitt. We'll maybe look back just a little bit more to put a bow on that Bowling Green game. And to do that, uh, let's go with the one guy on this podcast who has not been here since the Bowling Green game. That would be the one, the only Grant Ramey down there at that Blount County satellite office in Merville. Grant, what's up, man? What I learned on Thursday talking to Josh Heupel, on a Thursday, I should say, is he's going to say nothing on a Thursday just like he says nothing on a Monday, on a Wednesday, on vol calls. Uh, I mean, personnel-wise, he'll talk a lot, but personnel-wise, he's not going to say nothing. No, it's uh, interesting because you'll ask him about one running back, and and you might hear two or three words about it. Then you'll hear a couple sentences about the group in general, uh, you know, about the weather outside, how it was nice for practice today, how, you know, he'll talk about anything else, uh, but uh, he, he will not talk about the personnel. And not that that makes him any different than any other college football coach in the country. They all live under the same paranoia that they're not going to say a word that they don't have to say. But once again, for a year, 500 in a row, somebody's going to stump for, please just give us a, a universal injury report across college football. If this thing moves, if these conferences keep realigning until there's one broken off piece from the NCAA, 
please create an injury report so we can just have something in writing to reference, please. I'll never for, for those who who uh, remember the Philip Fulmer era. So that will probably be you know most of you listening to this podcast, not all of you, uh, but most of you. He used to come out there every Thursday. I'll never forget it. For years, he would go out there on Thursdays and he'd be like, "All right, Casey Clawson, shoulder probable. Uh, Travis Stevens, knee questionable. Uh, whoever, John Doe." Uh, shoulder out and he would just go down and list it and be like all right now what's up guys what do you want and it was just so it's just so different now uh, because things are just the way that they are but you know if you're Tennessee you're trying to rebuild a program and your competitors aren't doing these things why would you do them Uh, my only the only thing that interests me in it is the fact that Heupel has been down there at UCF for the past few years and that's not I mean, it's a, they're winning now. I mean, that's a, they, they've built a good program down there. It's one of the best group of five pro, uh, programs in the country and a program that, you know, is on its way to the Big 12 now probably and all that stuff. But they're doing a lot of good stuff, but they're still, you know, they're not the magic. They don't, they, you know, they're not really the Gators in that town. They're, they're, they're not, um, not, not, not the hugest deal locally still to this point. So the fact that he shows up after being a coordinator at Oklahoma, Missouri, a couple other places, comes in, and then he's the head coach at UCF for a couple of years to, to hit the ground running at Tennessee first year as a head coach and to already be ignoring questions like a guy who's been there for six or seven years. Uh, well, let me say three or four years because six or seven years for a Tennessee football coach. That's just doesn't happen. I, I'll just never happen again. But but generally speaking, I mean, I'm impressed. It's kind of like I tip my cap at this point. Like I thought you would have a couple of trip ups there early on. I thought you might kind of forget where you are a little bit and you might talk about a guy's injury or something. But but no, no, no. He also, though, did talk about how uh, when he was asked about Tyon Evans, how he wasn't going to talk about anything. And then later he's like, oh, yeah, this guy's had a shoulder, you know, no big deal. So (laughs) I wonder what that means is going on with Tyon Evans. Certainly there's a lot to talk about there, and we will talk about that. We'll talk about the Tyon Evans situation, and we'll talk about uh, the Byron Young situation. Those are, you know, arguably two of Tennessee's best players on the football team and guys who we don't know. Uh, probably doubtful or at least highly questionable. Uh, shout out to my boy Bomani Jones, highly questionable or whatever going into uh, into Saturdays there. So so we will see, but uh, we'll talk about that. But first, Grant, we haven't had you on since the Bowling Green game. Any thoughts that, you know, because I, I want to bounce some ideas off of you and see what you thought about the game because we've talked about it with Pat, we've talked about it with Ryan. What did you see sort of in that game and, and what, you know, anything that was a good surprise, a bad surprise, anything that was on your radar is a big deal? I mean, when it was good, it was good. Those first two possessions go right down the field really, really fast, score touchdowns uh, to start the third quarter. They come out halftime, they go down the field really fast, score touchdown. When it was good, it was good. The offense looked as advertised, what they want to do, how fast they want to go, the, the amount of points they want to put up. Um, when it was bad, it was bad. The, the, the quickly going three and out, I mean, you go three and out just as quick as you try to move the ball down the field. I mean, that's what, that's what kind of is the give and take with this offense. You're either going to move the ball really quickly or you're going to be third and long punting uh, on fourth down really quickly. That's just kind of how it is. Um, Joe Milton, obviously, that's going to be the biggest takeaway is, is can this guy be your quarterback? Is he going to be the guy that's starting all year? Uh, just from watching that game, he's got to – see the field better, make decisions quicker. He can't hold on to the ball. He's, I think he's got to be a more powerful runner. It seems like he runs more sideline to sideline than he should for a guy that's 6'5", 245, and, and could probably run over somebody if he wanted to put his foot in, put his foot in the ground uh, and get up the field. But at the same time, when you have quarterback questions, this is the head coach that's supposed to answer all those questions and develop that quarterback position. So if that's your biggest concern coming out of game one, I don't think that's a huge deal because this is a guy that's supposed to develop quarterbacks and is known for having productive quarterbacks. 
Um, so I don't think it's obviously the end of the world or anything like that. The sky is falling. It's just a matter of how much progress can we see from Joe Milton and how quickly can we see it? Yeah. You know, there, there's, there's a couple of different ways of looking at this. And I remember I've had some conversations with some other guys around the media. I know, uh, Tommy Dews, who now works with Gannett here in the state, uh, you know, it was talking about how he remembered a conversation with Mike Leach when Mike Leach, who obviously knows a lot about quarterbacks and offensive play, said that you can't really improve quarterback accuracy. He believes that a quarterback is either innately accurate or he is not. And, and you can do some fine-tuning here and there, but that generally speaking, if you tell a guy to put it in the square and he can't put it in the square or the circle, you've got a problem. To me, I, I, I'll never pretend to, to know more about football, offensive football especially, than Mike Leach. I mean, that guy probably has forgotten more than I'll ever know. But I, I still believe that, you know, if you can teach pitchers to locate better, you know, if you can teach uh, baseball players to, to, to throw more accurately to a target from the outfield, that's just muscle memory. I don't understand why people think that you can't correct that. I mean, if a guy has no clue, you'll never be able to fix that. But if a guy's just missing here by a little bit here and there, that's something I would think technically that you could fix, fix pretty quickly just with time or, you know, or not quickly, but, but with time you could do that. And, and I didn't see anything in that game from Joe Milton III that, that, that concerned me to the point where I'm like, this can't be fixed. And that's not saying it all will be fixed. I, I don't know if it will. I don't think any of us know. But you're talking about, you know, you got a guy streaking down the field open. He's, he's behind the defender by five yards. It's the first game of the season. You're jacked up. You overthrow him by a few yards. That's going to happen. I mean, the worst thing you can do there other than throw an interception is to throw it way too far. you got to give him a chance to make a play, right? Let him right. either catch the ball or knock it down. And even if you throw a pick, it's probably an arm punt, which is not the end of the world. So you got to put that ball on him. But I don't think that's something that can't be fixed. I think that's something you can work on. You can get more timing with your receivers after being in a three-way battle with the competition for a lot of camp. Uh, you know, you can understand what your receivers are going to do, how fast they are, which guys you need to lead more than others. You know, you can fix that. And then in terms of not seeing a guy who's wide open down the field, that probably just goes with spending more time in an offense and knowing in a scramble drill well, where guys are going to go. Uh, like uh, I think it was on that throw he threw to Tillman, um, the touchdown ball, was the worst throw he could possibly make on that play. He had like three or four other plays just to go. All of them would have been better than that one, uh, but the best one certainly would have been Antonio, uh, Antonio Pierce, who was um, right going down the defense. He had run kind of a kind of a wheel or kind of a rail on that scramble drill, and he was 10 yards behind the defense, and no one was within 30 yards of him on the other side. That's the easiest throw that you'll ever make in your life. And he, he looks past that and goes down to the end zone. So it worked out, but that's something you can fix in terms of not seeing guys on time. You can process. Look at like the way Josh Dobbs early in his career processed going through his progressions. And look at the way he did later in his career. These are things that are just going to take some time. And if you're going to pick a guy and you're going to stand by him, well, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to wait a little bit to see, aren't you? Yeah, I was surprised after the game when when Hypo got a couple questions about kind of like, are you going to stick with Joe Milton or did you consider playing somebody else in that game? Like this is obviously like like Hypo has said a couple times, year one, game one. I mean, Joe, not only did he split reps all through camp, but he's only been here since April, May. He didn't have a spring. Mm -hmm. I mean, he, he had a summer, I guess, with these receivers. He had a camp with these receivers uh, and splitting reps with those other quarterbacks. But and you can have scrimmages. He had a couple scrimmages at Neyland Stadium where he performed well, obviously to to win the starting job. But 
you know, this is the first time that live bullets are flying, even if it is just Bowling Green. This is the first time, you know, on the field, everything, you know, all systems go. And it, it, he struggled a little bit. But, I mean, to think, you know, coming out of that game that maybe they need to make a change or coming out of that game, maybe they need to consider uh, what these other two guys can do behind him. I mean, you got to have some patience there. You got to have some patience probably through Pittsburgh, through Tennessee Tech. I would go almost go to Florida. And yeah. if, if you go to Florida and if you're not seeing any progress at all and you're still having these same questions that you've had for the last month, then then maybe uh, at that point you start saying maybe this wasn't the right decision or maybe these other guys can give us different you know looks in certain areas. But but for right now, I think it's, it's patience and, and kind of wait and see. Uh, what kind of progress can be made? Yeah, I'm with you. I think uh, the that whole Florida Mizzou swing right there on the road. If you're not seeing by then, if you're seeing some struggles there, especially because Mizzou, because that's, I still think a winnable football game. Um, and and right, I'm not gonna, I, I'm not saying that Florida it's impossible. I mean, they've got Tennessee's got athletes. You never know. Weird things happen. But it's Tennessee. It's at Florida. Let's just say that it probably goes the way that it tends to go when that when those <laughs> things happen. But, you know, then you got Mizzou the next week. I mean, if you're still by that point still doing some of that stuff, okay, and then then I'm listening at that point. But right now, uh, I still think uh, where you are as a program right now, and I'm not saying games right now don't matter because they do matter. This one this weekend is really important. But you're not going to compete for championships this season. Um, and if you're just now aware of that, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to burst your bubble. But but this is not a team that's probably going to be competing for the playoffs or anything. And you've got a guy whose upside is just outrageous. So I would give it some time here. I, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to echo a little bit of what our, our, our good friend Jason Swain said. That sometimes with the quarterbacks here, people just need to tone it down just a little bit. Just, just, let's just wait and see. Uh, this guy clearly, clearly won the competition in camp. Uh, and now that it's been decided, we can tell you it was never really in doubt. There was never really a time after the first – week or two that he was going to be the guy I mean I think anyone who had any doubts after that second scrimmage they were gone but the upside on this guy what he could be uh, is just so fantastic that I think you just need to stick with him and see there were a couple things though because I've talked about you know we talked about the the seeing the field the progressions you know being more accurate downfield a couple times um, that now Hyatt just dropped a couple balls that were right on him. That's got nothing to do with anybody but Jalen Hyatt. He's got to make those plays. But generally speaking, the things that concerned me more, if, if anything did concern me, um, I think the way that he just sort of looked lackadaisical in the pocket. I mean, there's one thing to be relaxed, uh, especially mm-hmm. when a team's rushing three and dropping eight. You're going to have some time to chill back there. But it really did look like he was just kind of chilling at a, at a at a grill or a barbecue back there. He was just kind of hanging out uh, at some points, right. and it's like he's a little flat-footed. You don't you don't want to see that. I mean, you'd rather see him go out there and be a little bit more assertive like that. Um, that was a little bit of concern. And then after the game, when he said he played good, uh, he said he <laughs> played really good. Now again, you know, Gar- Garantano did this a couple times, right, early in his career, especially when he would come out and he would be like, you know, I thought I played well today, and then you're like, huh. Eh. I don't know if you should be saying that right now, guy. They're going to skewer you right now uh, in this fan base and, and around the, the college football world. He might want to dial that down a little bit. Um, for And I'm saying that for his own good, not for <laughs> not for, not for right. me, not for anyone else out there, not for fans, uh, just for his own good. Um, you know, the, the appearance of a little more humility uh, would, would probably go well there. Those were the things that probably were on my radar a little bit more. 
I mean, the standing in the pocket, you're you're 100 right. I mean, he just stood there, stood there flat footed, you know, multiple times, and and that you don't really have to worry about because that's just not going to happen. He's not going to have that kind of time. He'll that's learn. not going to be available. That, that can happen against Tennessee Tech. It might be able to happen a little bit against Pitt on Saturday. It might be able to happen against South Alabama in November. It it could happen against against Vanderbilt <laughs> late in the year based on what we saw Ooh, yeah. in Week One. Uh, but you, that's just that's going to get fixed real quick because he's not going to have a choice. He's going to have to fix that. Um, what were your other points? I, I, I blanked uh, the, thinking on the, the, the flat-footedness. The the, uh, the the after the press the press or the press conference. Yeah, yeah. You you might want to go with a little uh, self-deprecating humor there in that setting, and, and maybe a little less. Uh, I played good because yeah. I mean, Tennessee fans aren't unique. Every backup quarterback in college football, if you're if your quarter starter struggling a little bit, he's the most popular okay. guy. People campus. people are pouring statues for Harrison Bailey right now, and he's the number three right. guy. And, and and that's not. You know, like I said, that's not unique to, to just Tennessee fans. I mean, this is that's what you're going to get at every college football program anywhere where there's a little bit of inconsistency or a question that you have with that starting quarterback. So it's going to take some time. And the only way I can really think to explain it in those situations is if this guy clearly won the starting job in fall camp and it wasn't really that close, then imagine what questions you would have about Hinton Hooker or imagine what questions you would have about Harrison Bailey when they got their shot because clearly – this coaching staff, obviously, we haven't seen them practice in a few weeks now. They've seen every day of Joe Milton since he's been on campus. Clearly, they think he's the best option. So if he's the best option, you're going to have those same questions and probably a few more about these other options. One more thing here before we go to break, Grant. We need to discuss this, the the, the health situation, or I don't even want to say health. I'll say the availability situation. That's the safest way to put it with Byron Young and with Tyon Evans. Uh, Heupel on Thursday uh, said there's been no update that we know of on Byron Young, so they're still waiting on some paperwork. And the issue there is he kind of quickly went to like a prep school or somewhere right after college or after high school before he went to the junior college. And Tennessee's just now apparently somehow just now getting some wind of some of this stuff. So they're having to clear some things with the NCAA. I still think it's going to work out. It's just a matter of when it's going to happen. You know, the NCAA moves at the pace – it wants to move. I mean, Tennessee and Byron Young are sitting there saying, fix this, fix this, fix this. Well, there's a bunch of other people across the country right now who have situations, and they're telling NCAA, fix it, fix it, fix it, fix it. And they can't do all of them at once. They're understaffed, and they they need, with all the money they have, they need more people, in my opinion, um, at least for now, because they may not be relevant at all in a few years. But right now, they still need it. So, you know, I, that's just sort of the way it is. But we don't know if he's going to be available. That's, in my opinion, a guy who could be Tennessee's best pass rusher. I know Tyler Barron might say something about that. Some other Roman Harrison might want to say something about that. But Young's a different dude, and he he was in camp anyway. That's a big deal. And then Tyon Evans, um, I think Jabari Small is good. Uh, I think Jalen Wright could be really good down the road. But right now, Tyon Evans gives them something that the others just don't. Uh, his his power is is and his burst are pretty unique. They're pretty special. So I, I think he's the guy that they would miss on Saturday. For sure, and and when I did my season prediction a couple of weeks ago, and I was sitting there writing out seven and five, I was thinking this is like I don't really know if this is going to happen, but in a perfect world, this could happen if all the breaks kind of went their way and they got you know they the injury bugged and bought them too hard or whatever's going on, and it took exactly until like an hour before the Bowling Green game for that just to hit the fan, yeah, because Byron Young suddenly is out, could be out for two games. He he was the most popular name. Uh, on the defense in fall camp, the most mm-hmm. impressive, the guy that just kind of showed up out of nowhere and was this huge dude and, you know, rushing the passer and all that good stuff. 
Uh, and then you watch the Bowling Green game, and then you come away with who was probably the most impressive player on the field, Tyon Evans. I mean, yeah. he was some of the stuff he did on the field, making guys miss, and the, and the power that he has running the way he does. And, and now suddenly, you know, we've we've there's been questions to Hypo, I should say, the last two days about his availability, and he sidestepped those questions both times. So we're going to see Saturday pregame uh, if he's available or not. Uh, but there's got to be a reason for those questions to be happening, and it just so happens that. You know, it's probably the most impressive offensive player they had on the field uh, last Thursday. Who, who, you know, who knows what his status is for Saturday in a in a huge swing game. We'll talk about in the next time against Pittsburgh, a winnable game, a game that they really need. It just so happens you could be missing your best two players on both sides of the ball. Yeah, you could show what what did Evans have sixteen carries, I think, in that game. At least five or six of those were really, really good looking, and and that touchdown run. If you combine the power that he showed moving the pile a couple times and that we've seen from him for the past few weeks, and you combine that with the footwork that he showed on that touchdown run, I know that it's Bowling Green, guys. I know that it's Bowling Green. But watch the way he sets up those defenders. For a guy that has the power that he has in the lower half, I mean, you know, we've as a staff, I think we've nicknamed him Quad God for a reason, right, Grant? I mean, he's... The dude looks like he's wearing uh, padded pants when he's wearing shorts. I mean, it just he's, that, he's a thick young man. Yes, and you're to say and as a, as a guy he's who a goes thick young man. Yes, and for someone who goes to the gym as much as you like to go to the gym, Grant, you can appreciate that, right? He doesn't skip leg well, day. I'm I'm not even in the same universe as the but, quad but, god. But you know what? There's a lot of people out there who ride a bike. They're not Lance Armstrong. I mean, you can still appreciate it, right? Well, I take steroids like Lance Armstrong, so there you I'm go. I mean, pretty much, pretty much one of the same. Do. Yeah, well, that's, that's good. I, I agree. Jabari Small, I like Jabari Small a ton. I like the speed that Jalen Rad has and the the upside there. I just like those two a lot better when Tyon Evans is in the mix. Like there, that's a really that's a that's a solid you know backfield option you have there with with all those guys in the mix. They're not they're not dead if Tyon isn't available. But it's just a little life's a lot harder without it. Yeah, go back and watch the footwork. If you've not seen it yet, go back and watch it again and, and watch the subtle moves with his with his footwork on that touchdown run. Because there were two guys that should have gotten hands on him and neither one really got anywhere near him because the way that he set up those cuts and the the way that his his feet move with that strength. Um, he, he's, there's a reason why his Juco film was elite. There's a reason why a lot of people wanted him. It, that dude can play. And so he will be missed if he's not able to get through the, the, the COVID protocols and everything and get out there in the field, uh, on the field on Saturday. We got plenty more to discuss about this game though, guys, we got plenty to discuss about how big this game is, how important it is. What are the keys to this game? Let's talk a little bit about Pitt. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Tennessee. Uh, let's talk a little bit about these matchups. Let's get to all that stuff. But before we do that, uh, let's let's go pay some bills. Hashtag ad. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, 
or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Grant Ramey coming to you from the Blount County Satellite Office of Go Vols 24-7 down in Merville, talking Tennessee football, talking Tennessee against Pitt this weekend, Saturday, noon Eastern, the Johnny Majors Classic. Uh, certainly a, a nice day. The, the weather forecast looks great. And uh, you got Tennessee and Pitt playing. So you got obviously this being the Johnny Majors Classic, a man who meant so much to both programs. We'll have uh, Bobby Majors will be out there uh, for, for the pregame flip, but Jackie Sherrill will be out there as an honorary captain for Pitt. So lots and lots of cool things going on with that game. And I'm, I'm certainly glad that they. Uh, decided to sort of label it uh, the Johnny Majors Classic. I think that's a really fitting thing to do, and it'll be nice when the Vols return that, make that return leg uh, trip up there to Pittsburgh here in the future. So lots and lots of fun to discuss about that game. We're going to get right back to that. As soon as I remind you to take about 90 seconds out of your day right now, please, please go in there. Take 90 seconds. you got plenty of time, right? You're going to be sitting around tonight, NFL starts. You're going to be watching the games. You're listening to this podcast while you're watching it. you got all kinds of stuff to do. you got time, guys. Go in there and rate and review this podcast. Nothing you can do will help us more than that. If you're just listening on the website, we love you. There's nothing wrong with that. Anyway, it's I say it's like Ron Swanson with alcohol. There is no wrong way to consume the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. However... The best way that you can do it, if you go out there and download it download it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeart, TuneIn, anywhere in the world you can cast the fine pod. You can find this very GoVoss 24-7 podcast. Please take 90 seconds out of your day. Please subscribe. Please rate. Please review. We do this for free, and we're happy to do it, but that's the one thing we ask for in return. So please, please, please go do that. And while you're doing that, go to GoVols247.com and sign up for the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for Tennessee football coverage. Speaking of uh, NFL action tonight, Grant, how excited on a scale of 1 to 10 are you for the return of the NFL? You know, we, we, got, we got a lot of guys on our staff who are big into the NFL, but, but no one bigger than you, man. This is, this is your jam. Let's just say last Sunday we had a really good family day at the house. We did like a movie in the backyard on the projector screen and all this stuff and, you know, cooked and had a meal. And at one point I hugged my wife and I said, I hope you're enjoying this because for the next 17 Sundays, I'm gone. I'm dead to you. So <laughs> this, 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 is, this is the Viking funeral. Uh, you, you've taken the, you've taken the family, you've put them out to sea, right. you, you've shot a flaming arrow into the boat, uh, into the, into, into the ship. It's, 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 it's a, it's a funeral. It's, it's done. She, she kind of rolled her eyes and I said, you know, whatever, that's fine. I'll see you in February. <laughs> She's like, I mean, I've seen you for years. I'm not that impressed. I'm just, it'll be it's, all right. It's tr- but it's true though. I get home on a Sunday and I turn on the NFL at one o'clock and before I know it, I'm like getting yelled at because I'm not helping with bedtime and it's like <laughs> seven o'clock and I've just been a zombie for the last six hours. And there's still a game Sunday night. What are you doing? Come on, kids. Yes, it is. It's sensory overload. You can read already. What do you my, need me for? 
Yeah, that's my most unpopular opinion. I love the NFL more than I love college football. That's all right, I'm man. Sorry, Every, everybody loves what they love, man. There is nothing wrong with that. Speaking of college football, though, which you don't love as much as you love the NFL, uh, Tennessee and Pitt will be playing Saturday noon Eastern on ESPN, the original ESPN, the Uno, uh, big game, Johnny Majors Classic, and, and this is a game that in, in most years. If Tennessee football was where Tennessee football is supposed to be, this is a game that you're you're not thinking too much about, right? I mean, this is a game where if you're getting tickets, you know, in the summer and you're thinking about which games don't want to go to, you're like, yeah, if I miss that game, I'd like to go, but it's not the end of the world. Now, circle this, underline it, 72-point font. This is maybe not the biggest game on the schedule for Tennessee, but it's in the conversation for biggest games on the schedule for this team. And the reason is Tennessee football is not where it's supposed to be right now. Tennessee is rebuilding again. Tennessee has a new coach again. Tennessee is going through the process again. And Pitt is a team, you know, coached by Pitt Narduzzi, who's been there for, what, seven, eight years now. Uh, certainly you know what you're going to get with his teams. Uh, they've not been competing for championships really in the ACC. But he solidified that program after some upheaval there before he took the job. They're, they're going back to winning seven games, you know, with, with some regularity, won eight a couple times here and there. They play really good defense. His teams always play good defense. They don't have the five-star guys, usually. Aaron Donald's long gone now. I mean, you know, they, they don't have a lot of those elite guys that they've had sometimes in the past, but they're well-coached, and they do what they're supposed to do. They play sound football, and they have a quarterback who's been there since my house was built in, what, 1863 by General Custer. So, Correct. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's it's a challenge, and it's a game for Tennessee especially. We'll see what's going on with Young and Evans, but even if those guys play, there are some – this is one of those games that you look at, and this would be like an SEC game in most years. For for you know, It's kind of like those SEC games where you look at it and you go – I think this team has the edge there. I think that team has the edge there. This looks pretty evenly matched. Yeah, and it's kind of a it's kind of the like the opposites that you talked about are, are what have stood out while I've kind of thought about this game this week. You have a guy that's, you know, a, a first year head coach, not a first year head coach, a first year Tennessee coach and Josh Heifel, um, against a guy that's been at a program for seven or eight years and has kind of built it up the way he wants. Uh, a, a brand new quarterback in Joe Milton the third, who's just been here since April. A guy like Kenny Pickett, like you talked about, him and John Fulkerson could get together yes. before the game and talk about what playing college athletics was like in the 90s. I mean, that's how long it's, they've been there. Um, Defensive-minded versus offensive-minded. Uh, you know, and it it's weird because these two teams haven't played – they've only played twice in program history, and it hasn't been – it's been 38 years since the last time they played when it was Johnny Majors and, and Jackie Sherrill, I guess, in 1980. I don't know who was there in 1983 uh, for Pitt. But, but these, you know – Heupel and Narduzzi faced off twice in a home-and-home with UCF and Pitt in 18 and 19. And and defensive coordinator Tim Banks was at Penn State for five years. They played Pitt for the last four of those years. So, I mean, there's very – like it it seems like strangers and a a very strange kind of non-conference, a rare game, I guess you could say. But at the same time, there's a lot of – these sides know each other. They know kind of – Tennessee knows Pitt's personnel a little bit because Pickett and some of those guys have been there for so long. They know Narduzzi. Narduzzi knows Heupel. Heupel put it on Pitt really good in 2018. I think it was 45 to 14. Mm-hmm. 2019, they went to Pitt. They got down 21 to nothing early in the second quarter. They scored 31 unanswered. And then at the end of that game, Pitt runs that Pitt special, which is basically the Philly special from the Eagles Patriots mm-hmm. Super Bowl uh, a few years back. And, and, and Pitt wins that game 35 34. So there's a lot of, you know, common ground here they, they know each other pretty well despite the fact that 
these two teams don't know each other at all. Yeah, and, you know, it's funny because I just now thought of – I've been trying to figure out a good way to describe how old Kenny Pickett is, and it's just now occurred to me. I should have said he has an AOL email. Uh, there but, you go. But that just now came he's to got, me. He's got mail. Yeah, he, he, he and uh, our good friend Tim Watts from Bama Online are the only two people left on the planet who have America Online emails, basically. We'll, we'll go ahead and put it that way. Uh, that's how far they go back. But, yeah, I, I mean, he's been there forever, and I think that's one thing going into this game that even at noon – Neyland Stadium can be a tough place to play. It's obviously tougher at night, like most places are. Um, It's not like the difference in a place like Auburn where at noon or 11 a.m. versus midnight, it's like different worlds. But it it is different uh, at Tennessee when you're talking about the noon game and you're talking about, you know, the 7, 8 o'clock game. It's different. Uh, You know, the the crowd's a little bit less lubricated, you know. It's just a little little bit different. Um, But Kenny Pickett still is a guy who in that kind of environment you know, you go to Clemson when you play in the ACC. There's a couple places that you go, really Clemson the main one, but Florida State and there's other places that you go where you do get a, a pretty loud, hostile crowd. You know, you you, you get nothing like you're going to get probably in places like Neyland Stadium. But he's been some places, man. He, he's seen some things and some stuff. He's been around a while. And, and so he's a guy who might be hard to rattle, but – his offensive line, his running backs, who they played like seven or eight of them in the first game, which is a lot. Uh, all those wide receivers, tight ends, Kroll, the good player who started his career at Florida. We'll see how it handles, you know, because those guys have to get the calls too. It's not just pick it out there doing everything. And he will scramble. I'm not saying he's going to Baker Mayfield you, but he'll go out there and he'll beat you with his legs a little bit. He'll frustrate you. He'll move the chains on third and five by getting out of the pocket and running six yards and running out of bounds. He'll do that stuff to you all day. So it can be frustrating, but he can't do everything by himself. He's got to have some help, and, and I think that, to me, will be one of the keys. Is In those third-down situations, are the other 10 guys on the field right there with him? Right, and I think one of the keys, that something that we've talked about, it feels like a million times on this podcast, Tennessee fans are going to show up Saturday. I mean, they had 84,000 for Bowling Green on a Thursday night when it's your sixth head coach in however many years, 12. Yeah. I don't know what the number is. Uh, at this point, they're going to show up and, and they're going to have some optimism about whatever coaching staff is in place. They're going to show up on Saturday. They're going to be there. It's going to be a noon kickoff. Sometimes that's not so great for crowds, but they're going to be there and it's going to be pretty loud in the first quarter. And it's Tennessee's job to keep that crowd in the game. If, if the air gets sucked out of that stadium, it's probably on you. It's probably not on the fan base. So, I mean, that I think that environment will be there and it can be a pretty big difference if Tennessee comes out fast enough to you know keep that difference in the stadium. You know what I'm saying? To, to keep some noise in there and to keep people engaged. Because if you give people a reason to think, here we go again, they're going to sit there like, here we go again. And, and who would blame them uh, for that? And this is not, let's, let's not make Pitt into a world beater here. This is not Johnny Major's Pitt. This is not Correct. Jackie Sherrill's Pitt. This is a decent program, a mediocre, you know, maybe above average ACC program that's going to win, like you said, seven, eight games a year um, and, and play sound football. But it's a team if with Tennessee's talent at some positions and, and the coaching staff and, and the number of points they want to score, it's a game you can win. I don't know if you should win, you know, Pittsburgh opened as a one and a half point favorite and then moved to three and a half points for Pitt, you know, for a reason. Um, but it's a game you can win and Tennessee's going to have to take advantage uh, with a fast start and, and not those three and outs that we saw against Bowling Green to keep that crowd in it because they're pushing for a sell. They're pushing for as many, people in the stands you can get now you got to keep them engaged in the game yeah as as we're recording this actually i'm looking at my television right now and uh here in the office and uh stanford steve just did his like triple play for the weekend with college football his big parlay and he had pit over tennessee as one of his three like 
you know, this is my parlay for the weekend. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of people are picking that for a reason. Um, but you're right. I mean, that crowd, especially the student section, who I've been hard on in the past a little bit, maybe unfairly so, sometimes fairly so in my opinion. But regardless, they were phenomenal in that game. They were in the yes, opener. They were there they early. Up. They were loud. Man, they carried the the night for a while. Like, they got the place revved up. And then the second quarter happened, uh, and it's one of those pin drop moments where you looked right. around, you're like, my God, if we whispered, we could hear each other right now. And, and, you know, then it got going again in the third quarter. People got back going, and it was good. But then they put the game out of, out of hand. But, yeah, I mean, I think that's right. I mean, this fan base – it will show up and get behind you, um, but if you punch this fan base in the gut right now, it's a little bit different than it used to be. You, you know, it doesn't take but one shot to the gut, and they're like, "Oh God, here we go again." So, yeah, I, mm. I mean, I, I get it, but that to me will be a huge, huge part of the game. And on the other side of the game, for me, this gets down to there's a couple things uh, when when Tennessee has the ball, uh, and these are always like they could be keys in every game, but I do think they're a big deal in this game. The way Tennessee plays offense. Um, and, and you've heard people, you know, around the country talk about this. Herb Street's talked about it. Others have talked about it. The way Tennessee plays offense, this system is really hard to beat unless you just dominate it up front. Um, because the way they spread the field horizontally, they make you declare, are, are you going man zone? How many numbers do you have in the box? And you can't hide. As, as wide as they're spreading the field, it's hard to disguise some stuff. So they can get you in a really, really tough situation if the offensive line does a reasonable job and gives you enough time to do some things because things will be there. But you have to do that. And I think Pitt's got a pretty good defensive line, a couple guys that have gone from last year's team. The defensive ends may be okay, not great. They get pretty good push up the middle. That's an area where Tennessee's really, really, really going to have to be pretty good. And I think it'll be interesting to see if Cooper Mays is able to go um, because having the center that you want in there uh, would be big. There was certainly a little bit of a drop-off. Uh, for a while when he left the game. I don't think that's a coincidence. When he left the game, things got a little bit tougher uh, there for a while because uh, you had Carvin going into center. You had Lane, Ollie Lane going out to, to guard. I think they might do that a little bit differently at times this week if that happens. I think you might see some t- situations where you'll see uh, maybe Cade Mays slide inside to guard and put Dane Davis at tackle. You might see that a little bit is, is what I've heard. Uh, but you'll still see Lane in there too if that happens. What they would like is for Cooper Mays to continue doing what he's done for the past 48 hours, which is show up every single day with that ankle looking better, and he's able to play on Saturday. Um, But these are things that you don't really think about until you have to think about them. The way Tennessee plays offense makes it harder for an offensive lineman to play with an ankle or a knee that's not doing great. Um, because you have to run to the ball, you got to get on the ball, you got to go. Whereas if you're going into a huddle, if you're chilling for a little bit, you can take a couple seconds there and, and relax. You can't relax now. It's not possible. So I don't think people have mentioned that quite enough this week. That is a big deal. So I think that'll be something to watch will be what Tennessee does against that pit defensive line. And, and then the second thing is if Tennessee is in third and long a lot, I don't think Tennessee's going to win this game. If Tennessee's in third and shorts – a lot. I think Tennessee wins this game. If Tennessee's in third and medium most of the time, it's kind of a toss-up. Uh, because what Pitt does defensively, Narduzzi is right along that kind of Saban, Smart, Jeremy Pruitt kind of style there, where their third down blitz packages are pretty gnarly. Uh, they throw a lot of different stuff at you. They can confuse you. Now we'll see if they can do that against the hurry-up as much, but they've got some really good stuff that they can run on third downs, and, and I think that is where 
Tennessee, I think, has better athletes combining Tennessee's skill guys versus Pitt's secondary. But uh, that secondary is well coached. And if they out scheme you, they can beat you. I mean, going back to, to Cooper Mays, we probably should have touched on him when we talked about Byron Young and Tyon Evans. Like, who would you not want to miss on defense, Byron Young? Who would you not want to miss on offense, Tyon Evans? Who would you not want to miss on the offensive line? Cooper Mays, because that's your center. That's kind of the guy that's that's supposed to be your gas pedal a little bit in this offense. So I, I do think it is encouraging uh, to hear Hypel say he has had a good 48 hours and they hope it keeps moving in the right, the right direction and, and they'll see what he looks like on Saturday morning and all that stuff. Um, that's encouraging. Um, but if he's not there, yeah, I agree that that offensive line play, what you can do with that pit defensive defensive front, that's going to make a huge difference. And if you do struggle, um, if, if Cooper Mays doesn't play or, or can't play all the, the entire game, if you do struggle against that pit defensive front, you better create a lot of explosive plays uh, to kind of counterbalance that. If you're going to struggle to consistently move the pile and to consistently um, put a hat on a hat up front, you better create some explosive plays in this offense to counterbalance that if you're going to stay in this game. Yeah, because, you know, t- Tennessee last week, for some perspective on this, um, and I saw this where Tennessee had the fewest, like, time per snaps last year, basically, in college football on the opening week in terms of just the amount of time in between plays. And with that said, the offensive line coach, Heupel, Golos, the offensive coordinator, all three of them have spent the entire week telling the team it was not fast enough. So they're going faster than anybody in college football right now in terms of getting up on the ball and going and playing. And they're doing that despite playing 75% of the game without their first-team center in the first game in this system. And they're doing that despite the coaching staff universally believing that they did not go fast enough. So that should tell you what kind of warp speed they want to play at. We're talking like, if you remember some of those Chip Kelly offenses and some of those Gus Malzahn offenses, and last year with Lane Kiffin, where you're thinking like, Oh my God! Can it's it's blinding. Like you, you they're not even doing play by play in the stadium. There's no PA right. when Tennessee's on offense, especially because they don't have enough time to tell you, you know, Milton completion to Tillman, you know, tackle by Ramey, you know, forty three yards first down Tennessee. They don't have time to do that because it takes too long, and the ball's already snapped again. So they they can't do that, which is it irritated a lot of fans last week. And a lot of people, uh, some people on the board, a lot of people on social media, um, even a couple of people were texting me from the stands like, did they they just retire the PA guy? I was like, no, they don't have time. So it, it's just I actually different. tried to, that, that first drive, I got my phone out and the stopwatch or whatever. And every time the official put, marked the ball, put the ball down on the turf, I would start the clock. And when they snapped it, I would stop it. And it was like, you know, 4.4 seconds, 4.6 seconds, 5.3 seconds. And there were like three plays on that opening 12-play drive where I looked up for a second and I missed the snap because that's how fast it was going when I was trying to. I mean, even if you're sitting there with a stopwatch trying to time each play, it's kind of difficult. So I don't blame them. I don't know how you would, how any PA uh, guy on the planet would be able to keep that, that kind of speed. And, and you know, Jerome Carvin talked about how many things the center has to do in those four to five seconds. And it is like disconcerting to listen to <laughs> when you listen, you know, cause I'm, I'm thinking like I'm getting older now. My brain will not process anything that quickly. He's talking like the, it's like a checklist of like, you know, four or five, six things he's got to do like in those five seconds. And I'm like, how that's not possible. How can you, while you're moving forward, while you're moving. So you're physically moving and you're processing all these things at the same time. And you're getting this call, you're getting it set. You're getting the ball down. You're finding the judge and you're going. And it's like, 
man, I can see why, like, as soon as Cooper Mays went down, they were, they were like, oh, no. Like, because that's – Carvin's been, been in Tennessee for a long time, but it makes a difference when he's, when he's, you know, having to play center because he's a guard. He's a guy who can play center, but he's a guard. And Cooper Mays is the guy you want. Cooper Mays is the guy who, uh, in the offensive line meeting rooms, can kind of annoy everybody else because he gets the answer quicker than everybody else. He just – his football brain is really, really good. And, and he – uh, is one of those guys who just understands the game. I mean, he could be a really good coach one day if he wanted to be. And, and as a lot of centers and inside, you know, linebackers and those guys tend to be. So it's a big loss. Uh, if he's able to come back, that's big news for Tennessee. I think certainly the Evans thing is big. Certainly the Young thing is big. At the end of the day, though, Grant, this is football. And it's happening probably a little sooner than Tennessee would like. But as soon as the season starts, man, you're, you're never healthy, are you? No, you're not. And, and this is typical, you know, week one, week two stuff where you're dealing with the offense isn't functioning at the speed you want it to function with, or, you know, there's missed assignments here, there, whatever, the stuff that's not going right on the field. It's 100% expected for a new staff with a new team with so many, you know, transfers lost, transfers added, so much personnel turnover over the offense. I don't think any of this is unexpected. Of course, they're not going to play as fast as they want them to play in week one because of that checklist you're talking about and how they're still thinking about a lot of stuff when they really want them to just play, you know, play more and think less. Well, you got to get to that point from experience in this offense. So who knows what it looks like, you know, in November. And, yeah, this is a really important game for Tennessee. If Tennessee wins this game, it would be really nice for early season momentum for them to kind of have something to point to and say, you know, this went right and they were able to get some stuff done. Um, But I don't know. Credit, I don't know who it was on the checkerboard at some point this week said, you know, we thought the Georgia State loss in 2019 was the end of the 2019 season. And that's really not a good comparison because the Pruitt era, you know, that was kind of the beginning of the end. Yeah, it didn't, but didn't, at the same didn't, time, didn't end well, if you remember correctly. At the same time, whoever wrote that is correct. I mean, if you go back to 2019, how much the sky was falling when Georgia State did what it did, and rightfully so for people to have that reaction – versus where they were in November, uh, I guess late October, November, when they started winning some games and they had a ton of momentum going into, you know, the end of the season and the bowl game and the off season and all that stuff. So this Pittsburgh game is huge and it would be really big for Tennessee if they could do something here and have something. Uh, but at the same time, if they don't, you know, keep moving forward and see what happens. That is true. But I will say this before we ask a basketball question and get out of here. I, I do think that, uh, it is – I don't think it's a stretch to say that the calculus for finding six wins gets a lot tougher if you don't get this one in the bank. Um, right. Because at that point, if you win all four of your non-conference games, then you beat Vanderbilt, which if ETSU can do it, you can do it. That should be sort of a motto. <laughs> if ETSU <laughs> can do it, you can do it too. Um, buck yeah. yeah. Hashtag buck yeah. Hashtag buck yeah. Um, hashtag will, will Tennessee lose to, to Vanderbilt. Uh, hashtag buck no. Uh, they, you should they, never if you're an, if you're an SEC program, you should never lose a game to a school that gave my mother a degree. That's that's a good point, and my I guess my own PhD too. So yeah, that's yeah we're two for two on that one. But um, yeah, you know you look at it, and if you win those four non-conference games, you just got to beat Vandy. That's five, and then you got to pick off one more. That's South Carolina, you know Missouri, Ole Miss, Kentucky. One of those. Just get one of those, and you're in a bowl game. You know, win two of them, and you're in a pretty decent ball game, and you're feeling pretty good, uh, assuming they don't penalize themselves or anything. So I think it's not impossible, but if you lose this game, you have to win three SEC games to go to a bowl game. And so then you got to beat Vanderbilt 
and then two others. And if you're looking at that pot of three or four games and saying, I got to win one of them, I think you're feeling pretty good about that. Uh, if you're looking at that pot of three or four games and saying, I got to win two of them, I'm not feeling quite as good about that. So I, I'm not saying that a bowl game will be the direct result of winning or losing this game, but it is possible. It's, it's very much a ceiling game. I mean, you look at this game and you say, if, if this team's got a seven win ceiling, you got to have Bowling Green, you got to have Pitt, you got to have Tennessee Tech, you got to have South Alabama, you got to have Vanderbilt, and you got to have Kentucky, you know, South Carolina, Missouri, you know, those type of games. Those are the games that you look at in circle. I don't know about Ole Miss. I, 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 after seeing what they did against Louisville and uh, the way they look, I, I just don't see that one happening. I still have questions about that defense. I still do. That's that's fine, and and it's just the, <laughs> that was the most dismissive tone that you've ever had in the you. history of your, you. your your speech of the English language. Thank you. That's fine. Now let me go. Yeah, I mean it's it's got to be Kentucky <laughs> or Missouri for me. Those those are the ones I go to first. Uh, South Carolina's even quicker than those two, and Vanderbilt, obviously, like we mentioned after we saw that that basically is, you know, all due respect, that's a fifth non conference game at this point based on yes. what they did. Uh, in week one against CTSU. But if, if you if you can beat Bowling Green, that kind of changes the ceiling of what this team can be. I'm sorry, Pittsburgh, that kind of changes the ceiling of what this team can be. And if you don't, it kind of makes you kind of recalculate and reset and kind of figure out what they could do the rest of the way. Yeah, and South Carolina does have those two really good young running backs too. They've got a couple of them who are really good players. So there, there there's no gimme there. I mean, certainly Tennessee's probably in better shape than those guys are, but it's not by a wide margin. So – yeah, I mean, it's it's difficult, and, and we'll see. I mean, Ole Miss probably could maybe would score 70 points against Tennessee. I mean, the the throw that – man, the throw – I don't know if you saw it, Grant. I don't know if you are watching the game at that point, but it, it was called back because of an illegal throw downfield. But Ole Miss's quarterback, he was like on a dead sprint moving forward and just decided at the last minute, no, nah, I'm going to chuck it downfield. And that, old, that, that Louisville linebacker probably – I don't know how he didn't rip – both of his like groin muscles and hamstrings at the same time because he's just sprinting forward and then going, oh blank, and you can just see it. And he's like tries to turn, just had no chance. I mean that that guy is a talent. That offense is fun. Uh, still some questions about defense, but it might not matter uh, because they might score seventy against Tennessee. So, but Tennessee's defense did do some good things in that game. Tennessee's defensive line did look did look the way it should, but it's Bowling Green. In short, it's week one, and I don't have a clue what teams are going to look like in October, and I don't have a clue what teams are going to look like in November, so we're all just speculating, right? We're all just guessing. <laughs> That's true. It's a good Educa- point. Educated guessing. Nobody knows anything. We're all going to die one day, and the sun's going to burn out. So. Well, it's part it's part educated guessing and then part completely dismissing of your coworker with a, with a really, it's, really hey, condescending tone. Listen, listen, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's just don't worry. I'm going to say my thing, then you say your thing, then we're fine. No, seriously, That's Greg. fine. <laughs> Before we get out of here, a couple of, a couple of more uh, recruiting nuggets, Tennessee basketball. It seems like when we're talking Tennessee basketball right now, uh, if you put Tennessee and basketball together, the next two words need to be five and star because Tennessee basketball five-star seems to be the pond they're just fishing in these days. A couple more updates on a couple more five-star guys here recently, right? Yeah, the, the bad news, Brandon Miller did not have Tennessee in his top four when he released him last week. That was surprised a lot of people. Tennessee had been after him since he was a freshman in high school and in-state guy at Cane Ridge High School in Antioch, Tennessee, a, a top, you know, 15 player in the class. He did. He had Alabama, Tennessee State, and a couple of professional leagues, the G League and the NBL in his top four. So that, that caught a lot of people by surprise. He's supposed to be on an official visit. This weekend, to my knowledge, that's not happening because he's got his top four, and those are the four he's focusing on, the four options he's focusing on. 
But Thursday was the first day that, that basketball coaches could leave campus and go make in-contact uh, recruiting visits with prospects. Tennessee had its full staff in Richardson, Texas, Thursday morning uh, to see Cason Wallace, the five-star combo guard, the guy that they had on campus in June, the guy that is scheduled to be on an official visit next weekend, the 17th through the 19th, the guy that kind of creates the most questions right now because Tennessee had a ton of momentum on him. Uh, early in the summer, Kentucky kind of slow played him. I think he's admitted that Kentucky publicly is his dream school, but they slow played him a little bit. They didn't offer him that quickly. They kind of prioritized other people at his position before him. Uh, so he, they got him on campus for an official visit. They offered him, and they had some momentum there. They still have some momentum there, it feels like. Uh, and it's a battle right now between Tennessee uh, and Kentucky. Texas is his third finalist, but it feels like a Tennessee-Kentucky battle, and he's supposed to announce something on November 7th, assuming he makes it that far. And then later Thursday, Tennessee was in Missouri to see a five-star power forward, Julian Phillips, a guy that has Tennessee in his top 10. Uh, he's a South Carolina native who's in Missouri going to prep school for a year, uh, another top 15, top 20 guy, um, another guy that's a huge priority for Tennessee in this class. And, yeah, you're, you're right about the uh, fill-in-the-blank five-star because that's the, that's the waters that they're fishing in right now, and they're trying to add to that 2022 class with some more elite talent. Yeah, a lot of people keep saying with Wallace that, that it just seems to be like this universal belief that he's a Kentucky lean. And you would know better than, than I would know, Grant, but I, I, I just don't get the sense that it's – 100% Kentucky there. I just don't get that sense at all. I think it's still a battle. I don't I don't know if that anything's been decided. I know there's some crystal ball projections in his favor lately and, and stuff like that, but I, I don't think he would be coming to Tennessee just for like a, a petty visit, just to kind of, you know, appease them after what they did for him early in his recruitment. I think he's still, if, if he's open, uh, if he's on this visit, I think he's open to the fact that he could end up at Tennessee. But it's it's going to be a it's going to be a Tennessee Kentucky battle, and and you know you don't blame people for assuming that Kentucky's going to win a lot of those battles because they get a lot of guys that are just like Case and Wall. That's true, but uh, Tennessee's recruiting classes have been right there or better the past couple of years, so you never quite know. Grant, I ask you this every time, and I don't know why I do, but I'll do it again. You got anything else? No, that's fine. Let's go. Just go ahead and hang up. I know you're going to do it. You're going to ruin the outro. Just do it. I'm I'm going to need that clipped, uh, the dis- dismissive statement. I'm going to need it clipped yeah. and, and just pinned somewhere. Let's just hit it over and over. We'll, we'll put that into the archive that we can put it into a video form for the for the stories on top of Go Balls 24-7. We'll do that. Make it a sound effect. Let's go. <laughs> there you go. See you, buddy. See you. And that should just about wrap us up for this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Thank you again to Grant for joining us on this edition of the podcast. And thank all of y'all for listening, more importantly, because I don't want to give him credit for anything, ever, for any reason, at any particular time. Guys, thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. If you want just Tennessee news, nothing else in your Twitter feed, you can get that at twitter.com slash govoss247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govoss247 where that page is updated around the clock all day, every day. Tons and tons of good stuff on there all day long. But if you want the best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water just right from the freaking tap, go get that at govoss247.com. The best site on all of Al Gore's internet to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball, Lady Vols coverage, where Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us. Got two forums running around the clock, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, as the name suggests. We've got the checkerboard and the summit. 
Well, as long as it's not political or religious in nature, you can go there 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and talk to us about whatever you want. And we will answer. We will answer. We will be there. We will talk to you. We will have communication. We will have discussions about things. It will be enjoyable. You will enjoy yourself. And you get, what, a couple of dozen on average fresh content items every single day. Tons and tons of stuff. No one throws more content at you than GoVoss 24-7. We guarantee you that much. And you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month after a seven-day free trial. There is no reason not to go to GoVoss247.com and give us a shot. And once you go there, which you will do, and once you enjoy it, which you will do, you will then pay that fee, which is really, 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 really reasonable. And once you do that, you get access in perpetuity. As long as you pay us, you get access to CBS All Access, Paramount Plus. I did it again. It used to be CBS All Access. Now it's Paramount Plus. But it's good that it's now Paramount Plus because that means even more stuff, guys. Every show CBS has ever made commercial-free, tons of Paramount Plus exclusive shows like Evil, Picard, Star Trek stuff, all kinds of great stuff on there. New movies every month, old classic movies every single month, lots and lots of stuff from the archives of uh, Smithsonian, Nickelodeon, MTV, BET, and Comedy Central. Tons of stuff on there for everybody in the family. Also, live sports, Tennessee sports, SEC sports, NFL, PGA Tour, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League. Last night's or Wednesday night's CONCACAF game where the U.S. came back and beat Honduras. Thank you, God, needed that win. All those three points. That was on Paramount+. Plus. All, that, guys, that's a $100-plus annual value that we will give you for free. No one else can do that. Go to GoVols247.com right now. You will not be disappointed. You will stay. You will like it. If nothing else, guys, you should hear from us after the game some point Saturday night. So until then, be good to each other. Get that freaking vaccine. Wash those freaking hands. Wear that freaking mask. Football season is here. We we saw the start of it. Let's make sure we see the end of it, too. Be safe. See y'all. Be good. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.